Without a doubt, last Christmas, and perhaps this one, will be remembered for being different than normal. But none were more unusual than the first one. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes us back to the first Christmas, noting why it was such a -a one-of-a-kind event in all of human history. With another in his series of special messages, here's David to introduce a different kind of Christmas. Well, friends, this, believe it or not, is our last Christmas message on this weekday program uh, for this year. Where has all the time gone and how do we get here so fast? Uh, I think Christmas has moved along at a breakneck speed this year because we missed it last year and we're all, we're trying to extract every ounce out of it that we can this year to make up for lost time. I I don't know. Maybe that's not true. It seems that's way for me. And when people tell me, well, you know, we're not going to do this. I said, no, no, you're going to do everything. We're going to do more Christmas things than we've ever done before. We got more lights on our campus. We got more trees on our campus. We got more wonderful things going on. Christmas is to be celebrated. And if you don't get to do it for one year, as it was true for us, then you come back with a vengeance. This is Christmas on steroids, if you will. And I mean that in a very reverent way, of course. We're talking about a different kind of Christmas today. We'll look um, into that subject in just a moment, but I want to remind you that you can have a different kind of Christmas if you will get this beautiful leather devotional and have that Christmas gift pay you dividends every day during the new year. The devotional is a gift that just keeps on giving, and none of us are immune from the stress and tension of life. But when we know how to walk with the Lord in the light of his word, we put ourselves in the best possible place. So I want to ask you to let every day with Jesus be your companion during 2022. Here's how you get your copy of this beautiful devotional package. Simply send a gift to Turning Point of any size, and when you send your gift, Ask for your copy of this beautiful devotional. Your gift at this particular time is of great meaning to us. December is one of the ingathering months here at Turning Point. We need your help, and we thank you ahead of time for your generosity. Well, here we go. The last of the Christmas messages, A Different Kind of Christmas. Unusual is a good word to describe Christmas this year. The word means not commonly occurring, we hope. It also has a more positive meaning. The word can mean remarkable or interesting or different from others or better than others. The original Christmas was way more unusual than anything we will ever experience. First of all, there was an unusual birth. The Bible says that the birth of Jesus was like this. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. When I was a seminary student, we studied some of the church fathers, and one of the church fathers was a man by the name of Anselm. Anselm used to say that God could make a man in four different ways. First of all, by the law of natural generation, through the union of a man and a woman, a son or a child was born. Or secondly, God could make a man without the agency of either man or woman. For one day, he created Adam without the help of either one. Or God could make a man without a woman. There was a day when he took from the ribs of Adam and the woman was not involved in the creation of Eve at all. Or God could make a man through the divine empowering of a man and a woman who are both past age, as he did with Abraham and Sarah, 
when they were past the age of giving birth and God blessed them with Isaac. So if we accept all of this, that God can do all these things, and most of us would not argue about any of it, it shouldn't be hard for us to recognize that God could cause another kind of birth, a birth of a Savior who was born of a woman without a man, who was begotten of the Holy Spirit. The doctrine that I have just described is referred to as the virgin birth of Christ. It has been accepted throughout history by almost all those who claim to be Bible-believing Christians. Sometimes I hear Christians calling the virgin birth the miraculous birth of our Savior, but the virgin birth of Jesus Christ is far more than a miraculous birth. You could certainly say of Isaac that his birth was miraculous. His parents were almost a hundred years of age when he was born, and that is a miracle. I am sure no one who is approaching that age is hoping will reoccur during their lifetime. (laughs) But the virgin birth of Jesus is beyond miraculous. It is almost incomprehensible. He was divinely conceived in the womb of Mary, the Holy Spirit bringing our Savior's two natures together, deity and humanity united forever in one person. The virgin birth of our Lord is really better described as the virgin conception, for the miracle took place nine months before the baby was born. Whatever else you understand about Christmas, please do not think that Jesus began to be in Bethlehem. He was born into the human race at Bethlehem, but he did not begin at Bethlehem. There never was a time when he was not, and there never shall be a time when he ceases to be. He is the eternal Son of God, the preexistent Savior. And therefore, because of his preexistence, because he already existed, if his birth were not supernatural, there would be no way to explain it. If the one who existed before, the eternal one, was going to confine himself for some 33 years in a human body, God would have to design some special and unique way for that to happen. And that's what the virgin birth is all about. Sometimes the investigation of the doctrine of the virgin birth is cold and callous. We used to argue about it sometimes in theology classes, and we'd read books and come up with all kinds of different ways of proving it. But I wonder what would happen if we would just stop for a moment and accept it and worship at the throne of God with gratitude for the virgin birth of Christ, because if that had not happened, we would still be in our sin. G. Campbell Morgan used to say, I will seek to adore rather than to explain. Sometimes we get so intellectual we forget that the purpose of all of this is to bring us to a place of appreciation and worship so that we understand how blessed we are. Someone has written that the infant Jesus, in some views, is a greater marvel than Jesus with the purple robe and the crown of thorns. What a miracle, what a supernatural event was that unusual birth. I think we would all have to say, on that first Christmas, that was a pretty unusual birth. Nothing like that had ever happened before, nor since, nor ever will. But it was also an unusual birthplace. What's the craziest place you've ever heard of, of a woman giving birth to a child? I did a little research. 
Margarita Grandos was about to ride Space Mountain with her husband, <laughs> but decided to stay at, behind, and a good thing, too, because she went into labor and gave birth right at Disneyland, a baby girl. Sonia Cemento walked into a post office to buy some mobile phone credits, but got way more than she was expecting when right there in the middle of the post office she gave birth to a baby girl. The postmaster even put the baby on the scales and claimed she weighed the equivalent of a $10 first-class parcel. (laughs) Now that's a special delivery. (laughs) Daniel Miller was working her shift at this fast food joint when she felt a sudden urge to run to the bathroom, and a few minutes later, her baby boy was born at McDonald's. Here's my favorite. Giving birth on the side of one highway is crazy enough, but two... That's exactly what Long Island resident Sobin Anderson did when she went into labor and couldn't make it to the hospital. So her husband pulled over and she gave birth to the first of her twins. Then they decided to continue to the hospital to give birth to the second son, but they didn't make it. He had to pull over and deliver the other one on a different highway. (laughs) So two children born on the highway on the way to the hospital. But it couldn't be any more unusual than what happened to Jesus. Here's what Luke says. Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We all sing about that every year, O little town of Bethlehem. Would there be anybody here who wouldn't know the answer to the question, what town was Jesus born in? We would all say Bethlehem. But did you know that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, there weren't even a thousand people who lived in that little village. It was located six miles south of Jerusalem. I've been to Bethlehem. It's a beautiful little place right now, probably more like a tourist trap than anything else, but there's all kinds of beautiful things to see there, including the Church of the Nativity. I've always wanted to be there on Christmas Eve. I'll probably never get that done, but it's a beautiful little village. And it played host to the Nativity, an event that the world hardly noticed. They didn't know what was happening then. That moment was the signature moment of all of the world. Someone put it this way, the hinge of history is on the door of a Bethlehem stable. Bethlehem had a rich biblical history. For instance, Jacob buried his Rachel there. Bethlehem was the home of Ruth, whose book is in the Old Testament. And it's also the birthplace of David. In the scrolls of the prophets, we read this amazing prediction. I'm going to read this to you, but I want to tell you before I do that this prediction was made 700 years before Jesus was born. It came from the prophet Micah, and here's what he said. But you, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Bethlehem Ephrata. Did you know that in biblical history there are two Bethlehems? 
Micah got it right. He said it wasn't the other Bethlehem. It was Bethlehem Ephrata. And the word Bethlehem is such a wonderful word. It means house of bread. The bread of life was born in the house of bread. Jesus said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. The bread that came down from heaven was born in the house of bread. The other word, Ephrata, is an older word and an older name for the city. That word also is interesting. It means fruitfulness. Ephrata means fruitfulness. So Jesus was born in this unusual village so that no one would ever be able to feel insignificant. If we had written the script, we would have had Jesus born in the Big Apple or Los Angeles or Hollywood, maybe even Nashville. But we miss the whole point of this, men and women, when we don't understand that Jesus didn't come for those who feel themselves to be in no need. He came for all of us who are in great need, and he came all the way down to a manger and was born in an insignificant city, hardly a blip on the map, so that no one would ever say, he's too high for me, he's too unreachable for me. Jesus came to be where we are and to touch us in our need. So on that first Christmas, there was an unusual birth and a pretty unusual birthplace. But there was also an unusual baby. The Bible tells us that the baby Jesus was a mystery. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. In essence, what Paul is saying is, this is so unbelievable. We can't even argue about it. God has become one of us. Almighty God has come down here to be one of us. The simplest illustration I've used throughout the years is this, and I'm going to ask you to help me. Stop for just a moment and look at the person you are sitting next to. Christmas reminds us that God became a person just like that person. Some of you are saying, I'm hoping God's better looking, but I want you to know that. God is just like the person you just looked at. The story of Christmas is that God decided to be one of us, and God came here for three decades, and he walked around in a body. Can you imagine God walking around in a body? Jesus Christ was the incarnate God, and he was born at Bethlehem. What an unusual baby could he have been to be God in a body. Never has it ever happened, of course, never will it ever happen again. Every time I study for these Christmas messages, I'm reminded of how many of the great writers, the great people who comment on the Bible, how many of them have written about this, not with understanding of all that is behind it, but just the wonder of it, the incongruity of it as we think about it. You know, one of the problems of learning is if you don't have any precedents, you don't have any place to start. And there's no precedent here. Philip Yancey put it this way. He said, in Jesus, something new happened. God became one of his own creatures, an event unparalleled, unheard of. In fact, in the fullest sense of the word, the God who fills the universe imploded to become a peasant baby who, like every infant who has ever lived, had to learn to walk and talk and dress himself.
In the incarnation, God's Son deliberately handicapped himself. We used to say in theology, he divested himself of the independent use of his attributes. (laughs) That's a long and wordy statement, but what it means is that God determined when he came to be one of us that he would not demonstrate his majesty and glory. He would become like one of us. He would limit himself. That's why Yancey said he handicapped himself, and he lived like us. He lived every bit like you and I live every day, like that person you just looked at sitting next to you. He exchanged his omniscience for a brain that had to learn Aramaic stroke by stroke. He exchanged his omnipresence or his ability to be present everywhere as God. He exchanged that for two legs and an occasional donkey. (laughs) He exchanged his omnipotence, which means full power. He exchanged all of that for arms strong enough to saw wood but too weak for self-defense. So instead of overseeing a hundred billion galaxies at once, When he came here, he looked out on a narrow alley in Nazareth, a pile of rocks in the Judean desert, and a crowded street in Jerusalem. God coming down to be one of us. God, mighty, powerful, confining himself into a human being like you or that person next to you. How could it be? The thought of God becoming a man stretches my mind to the breaking point. This is a truth without any precedent. There's nothing you can compare it to. It's extraordinary, singular, unique, totally unusual. When we walk by a manger scene, we look at the baby, and if we're with children, we usually will say, oh, look at that cute baby. Look at baby Jesus. And certainly that's a part of our celebration, but when you look at that baby Jesus in the manger, Remember that baby Jesus is the Lord God of glory coming down to be born as one of us. John the Apostle wrote it this way. He said, And the Word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came as God's gift to us of love. God looked around heaven one day and said, I must do something about the problem that men and women are having on this earth. I know what I'll do. And he summoned his son and he said, you must go. You must go there and you must fix the sin problem. And the Bible tells us that Jesus came to this earth and he walked among mankind and he was perfectly sinless. The only person ever to do that. No one else has ever done that. You may think you're in that category. You are not. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means all. But Jesus came and he never sinned in thought or deed. He never did not do something he should have done or do something he shouldn't have done. And as the perfect lamb of God, he went to the cross and became the sacrifice for our sin. That's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is the beginning of the story of redemption. Let me ask you a question. If you were God, is that the way you would have done it? Would that have been your plan to rescue lost mankind 
would you have sent your Redeemer to a manger and wrapped him in strips of swaddling cloth? Would you have had him born in a stable built for cattle? Would you have had his first visitors be the shepherds on the hillside? I don't think so. One day in heaven, we'll see Jesus, and I'm not really sure how this is all going to transpire, but I get the impression we'll have conversations with Jesus. That would be pretty uniquely special. Someone has imagined that when we get to heaven, we might ask Jesus this question. Was it worth it? Jesus, was it worth leaving the throne of glory to be born in a manger, to be raised in obscurity, to bear the sin of humanity and be obedient to death, even the death of the cross? Jesus, was it worth it? And he imagines what I believe is a pretty accurate answer. He will undoubtedly say something like this, because of the Father's unconditional love for each of you, out of the hardship and suffering came salvation for all the world, eternal life for the lost. Whatever momentary sufferings I endured are not worthy to be compared to having lost ones come to the Father and be restored to his family for all eternity. That's why he came. He came because God loves you. And God didn't just tell you that. He sent that to you. He didn't just say, I love you. No, he chose the most expensive expression of love there was. The Bible calls him his only begotten son. And he sent his son into this world, allowed him to be born through the womb of a woman into humanity. And ultimately, as the son of God and the son of man, to pay the price for your sin and for mine. Years ago, a man named Alfred Grant Walton wrote this poem about the personal feelings we share at Christmas. It's kind of a halfway secular poem, Christian poem. It's called, What Christmas Does to Me. Bring the candles, light the tree. There's something Christmas does to me. It weaves a charm, it casts a spell. It sheds a warmth I cannot tell. It melts the years with magic art. It makes me young again at heart. I long to give where pity pleads. I think of friends and human needs. And thrill with joy as from afar. I hear a song and see a star. Thank God, whatever else may be, for all that Christmas does to me. Christmas does something for us because Christ means everything to us. Every family, every home, has its own unique way of honoring his birth. Every church has its own way of celebrating Christmas and taking advantage of the season. But whatever we do this week, let's remember the reason that we celebrate this season. God descending to our planet through a virgin's womb to live a righteous life and die a sacrificial death for sinners like you and me. Let's tell others what Christmas does to us and what Christ means to us. Let's shake things up a bit and take back Christmas for Christ and celebrate his birthday. That's what this is all about. Well, friends, I want to take just a moment and uh, tell you how much it means to all of us here at Turning Point to have you in our family. I know we've added a lot of folks this year because of many new stations and outreaches. And if you're among those who have just joined the Turning Point family, a special welcome to you. 
it's our joy and our purpose to try to make our radio and television programs as informative and inspirational and encouraging as possible. We don't dodge any of the difficult things, but we major on the encouraging things because we know what life is like and how hard life can be. During this past year, we have studied many things, and I trust that what we have shared with you has made a difference in your life. There's a way you can respond to all of that, and that's by joining us in this great month of the ingathering of funds for Turning Point International. As we uh, look around the world and all the needs and many places where we can go, if we have the support to do so, your gift means so much. And then don't forget to ask for your copy of our annual devotional this year, Every Day with Jesus. Beautiful devotional for the new year. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series of special messages for Christmas, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new 365-day devotional for 2022, Every Day with Jesus. It's filled with daily encouragement for 2022, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with helpful notes and articles from decades of study by Dr. Jeremiah. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we begin a series of special messages for the new year on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Back again this year, the home for Christmas Channel from David Jeremiah and Turning Point Ministries. Fill your season with all your favorite holiday traditions, music, carols, laughter, scripture, pageants, inspirational Bible teaching, and more. Start streaming your Christmas favorites and discover new ones completely free. And enjoy the home for Christmas Channel at home, in the car, or anywhere you need a little Christmas. Visit TurningPoint.tv to start streaming today. That's TurningPoint.tv. Introducing Dr. David Jeremiah's new 365-day devotional, Every Day with Jesus. Inside this beautiful leather-soft volume, you'll find 365 daily inspirational readings from Dr. David Jeremiah, paired with selected scripture to challenge and encourage you in your walk with God. Every Day with Jesus is yours this month in appreciation for your gift of any amount in support of this program. And when you give a generous year-end gift of $120 or more, Dr. David Jeremiah will thank you with four copies of Every Day with Jesus, one to keep and three to share with others. Let this daily devotional inspire you in the coming year to live every single day with Jesus, for Jesus, and like Jesus. Request yours at davidjeremiah.ca today. That's davidjeremiah.ca. And thanks to a generous giving challenge through the end of the month, all gifts to the ministry are effectively doubled up to $200,000. King Herod and the Magi present two different ways of responding to Jesus. King Herod, the ruler in Jerusalem, was threatened by the news of Jesus' birth. He would have traveled the eight miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem to see if the news was true. Instead, he ordered all the male infants to be killed. The Magi traveled hundreds of miles to see the newborn king of the Jews. 
and they brought expensive gifts to give him. Let us not be like King Herod and many today who are threatened by Jesus. Instead, let us do whatever is needed to seek him and worship him this Christmas. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's perspective on Christmas on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.